Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Good morning. Uh, I feel very privileged to be here today and uh, glad to be uh, standing in your midst. Um, but I'm really happy to be alive. You know, I just want somebody, I want us to do this uh, with me just for a second. I just want you to take a deep breath in and breathe it out. One more time. If you have breath in your lungs, today's a good day. We don't have bad days, we only have bad moments. Today's a good day. Um, I was actually scheduled to preach last summer, um, and then I got sick. I got COVID, and then after I had COVID, I had shingles. And I'm, a, look, some, somebody, you know what? Somebody felt my pain. They went, mm, Lord. Oh, oh, Lord. They, they felt it. Um, and so I had to cancel uh, uh, last summer. Um, you know, the good news is I brought both sermons, so I'm just going to preach both of them <laughs> today. Just get it, get it out of the way since, you know, y'all don't know what y'all missed. Y'all missed some good stuff last summer. Right? So, um, but, but, but in all seriousness, I'm, I'm thankful uh, to your pastor, Pastor Tyler, and um, I'm also uh, mindful, and I want to thank you for uh, receiving and also supporting uh, his time away. Um, I, this, uh, this year, after 16 years in ministry, um, for the first time, I took a sabbatical from Emmanuel. Um, and y'all might not know this, but Predominantly black churches don't be sabbatical. <laughs> I mean, when I first said it, it was like, uh, I don't know what that means. You changing religions? Not... <laughs> no, I'm still a Christian. I'm just taking a sabbatical. They said, that sounds like some Swahili mess that you made up. <laughs> um, but um, if you don't come apart, you'll fall apart. And um, it's difficult to see and cast vision uh, for a church if you don't take the necessary time to make sure you're seeing and hearing God clearly. So I just want to um, um, praise God for this process, um, for him being uh, strong enough and noble enough to do it, and for you as a church family for being willing to um, allow him to take that much-needed step. The other thing that it does for church families is um, it's really, really important for all of us to see our part in the ministry. Um, otherwise, we'll give, we'll put uh, things on one person's shoulders. And um, I know for me, I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. And um, when I complained to God about it, he says, I never called you to do that. I never asked you to be Atlas. I never asked you to put the world on uh, your shoulders. That's something that you did. And uh, this job lends itself to arrogance and if we're not careful, we will miss that we're servants of God and see ourselves as the answer to every problem, and before long, you're going to crumble. 
Um, so I just praise God uh, for you. I did want to start, um, I told this story at the nine o'clock and I want to um, tell it again. You know, there are a lot of things going on. Uh, before I tell this story, let me just say this. Uh, somewhere in this building, my family's here. Um, my, my wife and my children, I got, you know, cousins and friends all in the building. Let me tell you why I'm telling you that. First off, they deserve to be recognized. But, amen. Um, but I want you to know that my wife is here because I don't want any of y'all making a fatal error. I, I don't want y'all, you know, trying to step to her and shoot your shot. That will not work out for you. And I want to take a quote from a popular prophet. His name is Tupac. <laughs> I'm not a killer, but don't push me. <laughs> Y'all just let my wife and my children be, and we'll be out of your hair here soon. Which is a highly offensive term, out of your hair, for a bald person. <laughs> I didn't mean to start this so offensively, but anyway. Um, but, but I did want to share this story because there's a lot going on in the world. I want to share a personal story um, with you. And, and I, I pray that you hear and understand um, the point I'm trying to make uh, from this story. I've been an uh, IT specialist for the last 23 years. Um, it's what I did um, in college. So since 1999, I've been working as uh, a mainframe system programmer. Um, I do that to this day. Um, and across my career, um, over that 20 plus years, um, I've been the only black person on my team for my entire career. Once upon a time, I was managed uh, uh, by a, a black gentleman, but I've never had anyone on my team. I've been the only black. There was a period that I worked at a job here in town where not only was I the only black on my team, I was the only black in the office, the whole floor. Doesn't re didn't really bother me. Um, I was just doing my job, trying to do my work. But during um, a season at this job, uh, the job went through a time of a hiring freeze where we couldn't uh, hire any new employees. And you know that a company is really struggling when they go through a hiring freeze. But during the hiring freeze, our company hired three interns. One was the son of one of the managers. One was the best friend of the daughter of one of the managers, and another was a close family friend of a different manager. Three people. And when they hired these interns, they assigned those three interns to me for me to train them. Three young men, very capable, they learn very quickly. I poured into them just like I would to my own children. They all turned out to be really solid programmers. But during that process, I was bothered. I wasn't bothered that, you know, uh, one of the managers hooked up his son or another manager, you know, helped out a kid that had been knowing their whole life. None of that was really an issue for me. Um, my issue was about opportunity because our sign on the door said no availability, not hiring, uh, yet there was a back door that was only open to certain individuals who had connections 
in the managerial offices, and none of those offices had anybody that looked like me in them. The problem wasn't that I felt like they should have hired somebody differently. I had no, no, no options, you know. I mean, my kids were younger, um, you know, but rest assured that there's going to be a day soon that I'm, I'm going to hire me a good old unqualified, you know, nephew of mine that just, <laughs> just a dumb as a box of rocks nephew. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he going to be working there. They're going to be like, how did this dummy become CEO? And I'm like, that's my nephew. Leave him alone. Uh, but, 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 but it did bother me um, that when you go out and you set to catch fish, if I have my bait in a catfish farm, the chance of me catching a bass is nearly impossible. And um, it bothered me just because there were others that I feel didn't have the access. Um, maybe some in different neighborhoods or different uh, walks of life that didn't even have an opportunity. Um, and so I said that to say that just be mindful that um, seek to have conversations out of your comfort. Have conversations with people who don't always agree with you. Um, if you're red, if you're blue, if you're green, if you're yellow, um, have conversations with people that disagree with you. And give them the space to have a different viewpoint. Because no matter what you see in the news, there are people that have different viewpoints than you, and they've walked in different shoes and different uh, paths. Just be mindful of that. And at the end of the day, we all want the same things. We want to love, we want to be healthy, we want to be happy, and we want to eat good food. That's, what, that's, that's <laughs> the American dream. Amen. All right, let me get to what I'm supposed to be doing, and uh, that's the Word of God. I'm going to share a story uh, from the Bible that uh, falls in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Mark 5, 21 through 43. If you don't mind, I'm going to read it to you. Not that I don't think you can read but you just might not read well, so I'm going to go ahead and read. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and read it, okay? Uh, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet in worship. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she only got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from all of her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against us, his disciples answered, and yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and worshiped and trembled with fear and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why are you still bothering the teacher? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion when people crying, with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why is all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. After he had put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around for she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave, gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and he told them to give her something to eat. And this morning in your presence, if you'll allow me, I want to talk about patience in the process. Patience in the process. If you are anything like me, you're not very patient. Uh, by a show of hands, uh, raise your hand if you're not patient. See, some of y'all didn't even wait for me to finish the sentence. I said, by a show of y'all were like, me, 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 I'm not patient. Sometimes we struggle uh, with patience because the most difficult answer that you can hear is not a no, it's actually a wait. Um, and sometimes in this journey that we call life, we pray in a finite way to an infinite God who is not on our timetable. And there are times that we come to God in urgency and he seems to answer leisurely and that's where we find in our story that Jairus, this ruler, comes to Jesus with a specific and urgent request because his child is sick and he comes to Jesus in urgency and Jesus seems to be so cavalier in his answer to Jairus' urgent request. And essentially he tells Jairus, hey, one minute. I'll be with you soon. He told him to wait. But before Jairus made a request of God, the first thing the Bible says he did was he fell down at his feet and worshiped. So the first point in this process of your life, you need to worship while you're worried. You need to worship while you're worried. Because all of us have worry all of us have fears. There are doubts that live in our head, but that's why we come to Jesus. But don't stop worshiping just because you're worried. Fall down at Jesus' feet knowing that you came to the right source at the right time to get the right thing, that you have come to Christ because you believe he can solve your problems. So worship while you're worried. Jairus came to Jesus, and I feel like he had access to Jesus because he was a ruler. Listen, if you don't realize by now that especially in America, if you got a title that people treat you better, you should try it sometimes. Listen, I can walk in and say Damian Thompson and they ignore me, but if I say Pastor Damian Thompson of Emmanuel Baptist Church, <laughs> and then when I, that doesn't work, I say I'm Tyler's friend, 
people treat me a little different. He had access to Jesus because of his title. They elevated him to the front of the line. He had audience with the master, and he made a request of Jesus based on who he was. He said, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter's sick. I need you to come to my house and help my daughter. And Jesus said, bet. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go. But Jesus took the scenic ground. And Jesus didn't walk straightway to Jairus' house. He seemed to walk through the multitudes of people. And I just want to talk, before I get to the other parts of the message, I want to talk about coming into worship but still dealing with pain. And maybe that's you today. That you woke up this morning and the last thing you want to do is come to church. And you had people in your house, they was like, oh, come on, it's time to go. Are, are y'all ready to go? Everybody ready to go? And you didn't want to worship because you were in pain. Maybe you just didn't feel like being around other people. Is that in, anybody else? Uh, you know, I like people some, 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 kind of sometimes a little bit. But I just can't take all y'all at the same time. No offense. I'm glad to see all you beautiful people in the space. But, you know, I mean, I just can't people all the time. You know, so I, I have gone to the mall before, pulled up in the mall, and saw all the parking spots taken and just rode home. I was like, I can't do it today. I just can't, I just can't do it. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it today. And Jairus, here he is trying to get an encounter with Jesus. He showed up to get Jesus, and there were all these people there. And he, I'm sure he was annoyed, and he, he said, you know what? I came to the right place, but I'm not sure this is the right crowd. Now, while he's waiting on Jesus to answer his urgent prayer request, and these throngs of people are around him, there was a woman in the crowd with issues. Say issues. Guess what? There are people in this crowd with issues. And if you can't find nobody sitting next to you with issues, there's a person on the stage right now <laughs> with issues. If you don't believe that, talk to my wife. She will confirm. I have issues. I'm flawed. I'm erred. And I'm petty. I have a shirt that says, pray for me. I'm petty. <laughs> that means that I don't always function like the pastor that I is. Sometimes I act like somebody who's never met Jesus at all <laughs> because I got issues. But if I got issues, you got them too. Is that right? Really, when we come to church, we should forget about the clothing that we should wear. We should probably wear a hard hat and let people know, please excuse my mess because I am still under construction. I have issues. And in this crowd, as they were going to Jairus's house, there was a woman in the crowd who had issues, and she had been dealing with those issues for 12 years. She'd been walking around trying to worship, trying to work, trying to love, trying to behave with people with these issues. People knew her issues so badly, they didn't even determine to call her by name. They just called her the woman with the issues. And there's some folks who talk about you the same way. They don't even know your name, right? They just describe you by your issues. They be like, hey, you know little buddy that's always late for work? 
Hey, you know old girl that work in accounting with the bad attitude? Do y'all do that? I don't know. Look, if you got an issue, I'm going to point out your issue. And I'm going to say, hey, you know the one that got the... <laughs> it's a lady I used to work with. One of her glasses arms was broke, and she didn't fix it, so she just had one arm. <laughs> just, and, and so uh, I used to call her a single lady. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, single lady. All the single ladies. Anyway. <laughs> but we end up associating people by their issues. And here this woman is with this issue, surrounded by a crowd of people with issues, but she's the only one whose issue got changed. And if that is not a picture of the modern church, I don't know what is. Because we come every Sunday and every week, we come to Bible study groups, and we come in messed up with issues and leave the exact same way. I am no longer satisfied to coming in the presence of God and leaving the same way I came in. I need my issues fixed. And this woman had determined that though I'm in the crowd and everybody might have issues, today is the day that my issue is going to change. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of dealing with the person that I once was. I'm ready to be who God has called me to be. So I need to let go of some of these issues. This woman was in the crowd, and before you think that Jesus got distracted, this is not a blessing denied, but it's actually a blessing delayed, because while you worship when you're worried, you also need to witness while you wait. You need to witness while you wait. Jesus did not get distracted. This is actually a divine demonstration that this woman comes to Jesus in the crowd and she touches Jesus and she touches him and immediately her issue was resolved. Then Jesus asked a question that I'm certain made the disciples mad. He, he said, who touched me? And the disciples like, what? don't start that Jesus. Listen, you, you, same thing you start talking about in the boat. We asked you to uh, clear up this storm, and you was down there sleeping when we came in the bottom of the boat. And we said, Jesus, if you don't get up here and do something about this storm. Oh, y'all Bible don't read like that? Just my. <laughs> and now you're talking about who touched you. The answer is everybody touched you, Jesus. Everybody is everywhere. They're stepping on my new Jordans, and I do not approve. <laughs> they were crowds of people around him, and they, Jesus said, who touched me? And they said, everybody's touching him. And that lets me know that you can be in Jesus' proximity, but not in his presence. Woo. Come on, Damien, that was good. You can be around Jesus, but not in Christ. That it's difference between be, driving your car into the shop and putting it in the mechanic's care. That if we come in Jesus' presence, but not, if we come in Jesus' proximity, but not his presence, we leave the same way we came in. And there were people who were around Jesus, but none of them were touching him. And I think it's because most people who come around Jesus are in denial of all the issues they got. We're so busy trying to determine other people who need Jesus that we forget that we need him too. We want to judge other folks by how they living and how they know what they need to do is get Christ in their life. You too. <laughs> the enemy of who God wants you to be is who you are right now. 
The enemy will allow you to do good as long as you don't do better. And see, this woman was no longer satisfied with just dealing with her issues alone. She said, if I'm going to worship, I'm going to get better. And she pressed through the crowd trying to get to Jesus. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples like, listen, don't ask who touched you. Every since you turned that water into uh, bourbon, <laughs> all the Kentucky Saints been showing up to every meeting. The, min the minute you named it Angel's Envy, all the saints started <laughs> showing up to the party. So it's a crowd of people, Jesus, don't trip. But he said, no, someone touched me with intention. The woman came forward and she did what I hope that we do, that when Jesus changed you, tell somebody. She came forward, she says, Jesus changed me. And her public testimony served as proof to Jairus that he had come to the right place. Because it wasn't just a delay, it was a demonstration. This woman said, I've been dealing with this thing for 12 years, and Jesus grabbed her hand and says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. And Jairus says, wait, I've not come to just a savior, I've come to a specialist who specializes in changing and transforming 12-year-old issues. And I have a daughter who is sick at home who is 12 years old. If Jesus can do it for her, guess what? He can do it for me. You just got to be patient in the process. And there are people all around this room right now who are going through a similar thing that you got delivered from last year. They're just waiting on you to tell your story about what God did for you so they know that what they're in is not final. So the Bible says that she testifies and Jairus sees, and then let me tell you what happens. While this woman's testifying about the goodness of the Lord, and she's waving her hands and they are clapping for her, they done took up an offering and a GoFundMe, they done done all the things, and Jairus is sitting there watching. Jairus' servant comes, he was like, hey, dog. Your, your baby dead, you can just leave him alone. Okay, come on, come on, come on, leave, leave the man alone. Come on. So let me re replay this for you. Jairus came to Jesus with a problem, and when he got to Jesus, his problem got worse after he connected with Jesus. That wasn't in the brochure. <laughs> that ain't in the promotional material about this walk with Christ that you could come and connect with him and maybe your things get worse before they get better. Nobody told you that there might be people who will despise you because of your Christianity. That if you stand up for what you feel is right, that you'll be ostracized and maybe people won't mess with you no more because they think you're a Jesus freak. Or maybe you was already a freak and, you know, just added Jesus' name to it. I don't know. <laughs> but connection with Christ sometimes comes at a cost. And this woman stood up for Christ, and Jairus heard, and yet his situation got worse. And Jesus cautions him and says, hey, don't lose faith. You came to the right place. Just believe. Not only do you need to worship while you're worried and witness while you wait, sometimes in your life you got to sit back and watch God work. I'm about to land this plane. If you don't mind putting your seats back in the upright position your tray tables fixed and locked, we are descending. Watch God work. The Bible says that Jesus took Peter, James, 
and John and was going to the house. Twelve disciples, only three made the traveling squad. I want to say this parenthetically. This ain't really in the message, but I'm going to throw it in. No extra charge. Everybody can't go on your journey with you. There's some folks that just can't go with you. You know what I found? We are too accepting of people praying for us. I know that sounds crazy, but I don't want everybody praying for me. Let me talk to the left side of the room for a second. I don't want everybody's prayers because some folks don't know how to pray. And some people, you ask to pray, P-R-A-Y, and they really are seeking to P-R-E-Y. I don't want everybody praying for me. I'm, I'm careful in who I say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm like, hold on, who you praying to? And what you praying about? What you going to say? And sometimes, you know, this, this is culture class, so sometimes when you're around, you know, people of a darker hue, first question is, who all over there? If you talk about praying, who, hey, 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 hold on. Who going to be listening to this prayer? Because I don't want to mess around and ask you to pray for me and, and want the Holy Ghost and end up with Casper the Ghost. <laughs> and Jesus said, listen, we about to raise something from the dead. Everybody can't go because some of you fools don't know how to get a prayer through. So I'm going to take three of y'all that I know that are willing to pray and let's go and handle business. And when you're really trying to do something amazing for God, everybody can't go. So he took a small subset and they went to the house. And the Bible says when they got to the house, there was a commotion there. Say commotion. There was a commotion in the house, some weeping and wailing and crazy things going on in the house. Crowds of people that showed up because of the disaster. And there are people who will show up for the disaster that will not stay for the cleanup. There are people who will just show up because they want to see the wreckage, but they ain't trying to aid and get you out of the car. They just slow down to see what's going on. And the Bible says that them people were there causing a commotion, say commotion, and you need to identify in your life what's causing the commotion in your life. And I ain't trying to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says when he got there and there was a bunch of commotion, the first thing Jesus did was put them out. Guess what? Everybody ain't your friend. I know Facebook said they were, but everybody ain't your friend. And if they are causing commotion to your life, you got to put them out, put them out, put them out. Say, put them out. Put them out. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go home and put your kids out of your house. I saw some parents feverishly writing. Put those that are causing commotion, put them out of your house. No, your, your seven-year-old got to stay at the house. For parents of middle schoolers, you can't put the commotion causes out of here. Who want a middle school to cause some commotion? That's not who I'm talking about. But sometimes there are people in your life that are causing commotion. They are attackers of your peace. And you got to be willing to put them out of your life to protect your peace. It's all a part of the process. The Bible says Jesus put them out and took the father and the mother and the disciples that he brought with them. And they prayed and laid hands and told the little girl to get up. Now, I'm happy to let you know that Jesus spoke to this dead little girl and she woke up and life was brought back to her. 
And God is still speaking to dead and lifeless situations even now. And some of you came in here with an obituary on your mind because you believe that there were situations that were dead and Jesus is coming to you now saying, get up! Get up, get up, get up, get up. You can still have life. Why? Because I'm still in control. Don't be afraid. Put the ones who don't believe out the room and watch God work. I've seen him do it. He just demonstrated that he's a specialist in 12-year-old issues, and he touched my 12-year-old daughter, and he raised her up from the dead. And then in finality, Jesus said, Give us something to eat, but don't tell nobody about it. Which is a rule they clearly violated because we're talking about it here. (laughs) And I believe that when God's been good to us, we ought to tell it. If God has changed and transformed us, We ought to tell it. Um, And I'll call this, um, I said this at Clifton. I wasn't going to say it to y'all because, you know, I don't know. But I'll call this the fried chicken corollary. I know, that sounds terrible. But just go with me. Listen, when I moved to Kentucky, I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. When I moved to Kentucky, I could cook two things. Two, kind of one, two. One, I could make breakfast of any variety. Now, that breakfast for me includes grits. If you are cooking breakfast and it doesn't have grits, you're just eating early. You're not making breakfast. All right? I could make breakfast. The second thing I could do is I could fry chicken. That's about it. That, that, that was my bag. And then I met my wife, and my wife really don't eat fried food. I was like, I got nothing. I got nothing. What am I supposed to do here? Um, but ever since then, uh, because we don't really fry in our house anymore, I am always looking for the best fried chicken in the city. If I find some good chicken, I tell everybody. I mean, it's annoying. I'm like, man, have you been over there? Have you tried? Just by getting a good meal, I share it. And I like to think that Jesus is better than chicken. It's close, but Jesus is better. (laughs) Jesus is better than chicken. And if I'm willing to share about me having a good meal, how much more should I share about what Christ has done for me? He told them, don't tell anybody. And they said, hey, I'm going to tell you I ain't going to say nothing. But the minute I get out, I'm like, girl, you ain't going to believe what Jesus did. (laughs) First off, girl, he came over here. He put all them people out. They came over here. They brought um, all these flowers and stuff. They was weeping well. And Jesus said, get up out of here. And then he took my baby by the hand and he raised her up. And she is alive. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself what the Lord has done for me. And sometimes I try to keep quiet. Sometimes I try to be cool and keep it in the cut and play it cool, but God's just been too good for me, for me to sit up on my hallelujah and act like God ain't done nothing. I need to acknowledge that I, it was worth the wait, that the process 
benefited. And now I'm sitting in his perfection that my patience in the process, I know that my blessing was not denied. It was simply delayed. And now I'm experiencing his fullness. Can you do that with me and share about the love of Christ and what he's done for you? You can tell everybody. You can tell everybody. Go ahead, tell everybody that he's the man, he's the man, he's the man. Go ahead, tell folks about the goodness of the Lord because even though I got issues and you got them too, the Lord has loved me right where I am and today I'm better. Let's pray. God, right now in the name of Jesus, we stand before you with issues, but yet hopeful, God, knowing that you're a specialist, that you can change and transform and alter our issues, that you love us right where we are and we don't have to stand before you perfect, but just desiring to be used by you. So walk with us is our prayer. Be with us, God, in the midst and help us to love people who are imperfect because we all stand short of the glory of God, yet desiring to be used by you. So Lord, Stop allowing the enemy to highlight our differences, but to shine the light on our commonality that we sit at the foot of Jesus, desiring love from the master. Lord, we rejoice in you forevermore. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a good one. Thank you.